On today's show, the Milwaukee Bucks still undefeated in Las Vegas after a big second half to beat the Phoenix Suns. Marjan Bochamp tops 20 points again. Uh, what are we seeing from him early in summer league play? Also, Adrian Griffin, I didn't ask you about the new Bucks head coach, Frank. Are we seeing anything with the way this team is playing that might uh, translate to a new style for the regular season Milwaukee Bucks? And also Chris Livingston officially signed a deal, so we can discuss that as well. Plenty of news as Summer League rolls on. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer! Bucks win Pittman, you can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work at ESPN. Alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And as always, including on the weekend for the post-game show, uh, we appreciate the support Monday to Friday. And anytime uh, we drop an episode of Locked On Bucks, you can uh, support us even further by subscribing, following, leaving a review, uh, a rating, commenting on the show and telling us what you want to talk about or what you're seeing from the Milwaukee Bucks at Summer League so far. I don't know historically, and honestly, I didn't go back and look it up, Frank, but it feels like the Bucks don't generally win in Summer League too often. So the fact that they've won the first two games feels like a little bit of a novelty, but uh, both of these games followed a similar path. The Bucks didn't look great overall in the first half, and they used a, a monster third quarter to beat uh, the Phoenix Suns, 84-75 was the final there. Uh, we started with Marjon Bochamp in the last podcast, but I, I think, again, uh, that is probably the place to start here. We spoke about the aggressiveness and, again, his ability to actually play in control, get to the free throw line. He finishes with 20 points and he's a team high, plus 11 in his 31 minutes. Pretty efficient from the floor, again, even if he didn't shoot that well from the outside. Um, but I thought this was a... A pretty nice carryover, and it wasn't perfect, but I thought this was a pretty nice carryover from game one for him in terms of his ability to uh, attack the basket, finish around the rim, get to the free throw line. Eight free throw attempts in this game. So overall, I think we've seen positive progress from Bochamp, even if it is just summer league. Yeah, I mean, I think consistency is, you know, kind of the, the thing that stands out. And, um, you know, we talked about last year, he had some some slow starts, game one, slow start, and then really came around. Uh, game two, I mean, he had a big second quarter. He had 13 points at halftime. Mm-hmm. So um, it was uh, it was a much, you know, certainly a much more consistent sort of even performance. Although he could have, you know, I think he had 20. I don't know if he scored in the fourth quarter. Maybe he had mm-hmm. like two points fourth quarter. Like it was, uh, it was, he probably could have had a much bigger night um, than just the 20 points he ended up having. But I think the kind of what stands out is, you know, seven to 13 from the field. He was 50% in the first game, better than 50% in the second game, only two turnovers. So I think a lot of times, you know, the way guys stand out is they get a lot of points, but they miss a lot of shots or they turn it over a ton or whatever. And they're using, they're not necessarily very efficient with, you know, using possession. So the fact that he's, you know, kind of stayed within himself and been able to be aggressive um, with the exception of maybe the start of of uh, of game one, 
um, and really kind of just kind of let the game come to him. And then, um, you know, when he's had the ball, um, he's going to his left a lot that, you know, that's kind of his preferred route is he's had a lot, he's getting chances on pick and rolls. Um, it's not like he's getting, he had some transition opportunities for sure, especially in the first game, but, um, but, you know, he's, he's creating a lot of these shots for himself, which is, uh, you know, we, we always see that, right. A lot of times when like wings or centers, bigs, like don't do well in summer league, it's like, well, their guards aren't giving them opportunities. And, hmm. you know, it's not like, you know, Nico Mannion and Jay-Z and Gortman and Omari Moore, like, you know, just handing him all these free buckets or something like that. Like he's going to have to go out and, and make, make baskets and make opportunities for himself. And I think he's got like five and ones through two games, which, mm-hmm. you know, I think you, you hit on it. Like the free throw attempts as a rookie were, were very low. Um, so uh, the fact that he's been getting the line here in Vegas, I think is an encouraging sign. Um, so I think the, you know, the, the thing that, again, for me is just kind of what I want to see is, you know, playing with aggression and doing it consistently and and not just doing it to doing it, not just, you know, like we said, kind of just like hucking up shots just to get shots up, but doing it with a, a sense of purpose. And, you know, look, it, obviously it's not like it's going to be his role during the regular season to go out and like create shots from nothing. Like that's not expected, but I think this is kind of the thing, right? Like, you got to get confidence somehow. I mean, he alluded to starting to feel like he belongs starting to feel like, yeah, I mean, he can, he can be a really good basketball player in, in this league um, after game one. And I think for him, you know, he's kind of a quiet guy, hard worker um, doesn't always look the most confident. I think you, you hit on that as well. And so he looks like a confident guy right now. And I think that's, that's important. And again, it's just all about kind of just building that capacity, getting that confidence, carrying that confidence over into um, training camp and, Again, but hopefully, hopefully he first carries it over into games, you know, three, four and whatever else mm. kind of comes in, in Las Vegas. Because, again, the consistency, you know, if you can kind of just do it repeatedly, 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 that's when I think you really start to notice. Being able to do it like, you know, every other game or something like that or put up points, but, you know, be super inefficient. Like, you know, we've seen that story before, right? Whether it's, you know, I was, I was looking at stats from prior um, Bucks players kind of every year over the past 15 years in Vegas. And, um, you know, Jordan Wara put up a lot of p- points to, to, to Vegas as a go, yeah. but wasn't efficient at all. Um, ironically, Linda Wigginton <laughs> was probably the, the most efficient and highest volume guy last summer. Um, ball was always in his hands, right? He was kind of controlling his own destiny. Um, but for the most part, you know, I think Marjan compares really favorably with all the other guys we've seen come through for the Bucks and in, in their second years, um, including Giannis. Giannis, 18.6 points on 57% true shooting hmm. in his 2014, his, his lone summer league that was in his second year, going into his second year. Uh, Marjan so far, 24.4 points per 36 on 59% true shooting. So just keep doing that. I think we're all going to come away feeling like um, this was a, a successful summer league. So um, hey, maybe maybe you can have you know drop give us a thirty point game or something like that. Like again, we maybe get a little greedy, Kane. Um, yeah. But uh, certainly an encouraging start from him. And um, you know, again, I gotta again put it in context. Like not the first buck to to put up these kinds of numbers, but if you can keep doing it, like the consistency of the volume and the efficiency is, is I think what's what's really encouraging. Yeah, it doesn't feel like he's doing anything uh over the top or, or something that doesn't feel realistic for him in summer league like he's playing the way that you would hope that he would be able to play it's not just the as we pointed to in the last game you know outlier shooting from three or whatever which is what it felt like last year in summer league like that, that was the way he was getting these points 
Uh, so I, I like the way that he's been scoring. There was a couple of plays that stood out to me that I thought uh, showed that he was at least thinking his way through. And firstly, the uh, lob off the backboard to himself for the two-hand dunk was pretty fun to see. But he had to think his way through that. And there was another play, I believe it was in the third quarter. It might have been the second quarter where he was kind of in a semi-transition, hesitated around the free throw line, froze the defender, then went by and, and finished the layup as well. So he seems to be like thinking his way through. And as you pointed to, uh, certainly looks confident. We had someone in the YouTube comments after the last podcast reference the fact that you know, we were talking about the stats a little bit, and but he's not necessarily going to be a player that the box score might not indicate whether he can be a positive player for this team. I think that's fair because he isn't going to have the ball at the top of the key and it's like, hey, get to the basket as you pointed to. Uh, it might be his ability to stand up defensively, which is something I want to ask you about next because there were some things that I was looking at with the way this team was defending and they had some interesting lineups with the other two rookies with Andre Jackson and uh, Chris Livingston as well. So I want to ask you about Adrian Griffin next because he's hinted to some of the things this team might do defensively. So we'll get to Adrian Griffin, Bochamp, and the two rookies in just a little bit after I talk about Ibotta. Uh, after we do this uh, podcast, I've got to go do some grocery shopping and I am highly <laughs> I am highly not motivated about doing the grocery shopping. But uh, it does make you feel a little bit better if you're uh, with Ibotta because Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and you can get cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns 120 bucks a year. They could cover an entire shopping trip or you could use cash back to buy the flight you've been eyeing. Maybe not a flight to Australia, but that game you're dying to go to or the fancy dinner you've been craving as well. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering listeners five bucks just for trying the app. Use the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's I B O T. A, in the Google Play Store or the App Store and use the code LOCKED. All right, the Summer League will continue to roll on this week. Tuesday night, the Bucks back in action, looking to stay undefeated. This time they are playing the Nets. I thought they were playing the Nets a few days ago, but they'll play the Nets in a couple of days' time and we'll have a post-game uh, show after that. For sure. I also am going to do a podcast this week on Malik Beasley. I'm going to get someone to jump on the show that knows a little bit more about him and what he's done in his career. So we'll be talking about Malik Beasley because uh, while we're focusing on Summer League, uh, obviously there are some new faces on the Bucks roster as well. So we'll get to that. And Frank, I know you've got some I, I hope it's. I hope it's, little... I hope it's not someone from the Lakers because uh, uh, depending on, on where, where they saw Malik Beasley, you may have very different perceptions of his... Uh, his relative qualities, but um, I'm going to the Minnesota days. Okay, okay. Then you're going to dial back to to the glory days from Luke Beasley. Right. I was I was uh, DMing with uh, uh, Damon Rangula, who uh, Laker fan, the only likable Laker fan. He also hmm. uh, is a uh, has as a major soft spot for Giannis. Um, but uh, I asked him, and he was just like, "Yeah, he's awful." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, well." <laughs> Okay, you had you had a very you had the downside experience with uh, with Malik Beasley, um, so hopefully we uh, we get you know I guess Utah would be sort of in between, but hopefully we get more of the 
the the more vintage Malik Beasley performance because we know we know he's not just um, useless. We know he has some some really interesting qualities, especially his three point shooting. So um, so anyway, yeah, Laker fans. Uh, if if you're looking for negativity on Malik Beasley, talk to a Laker fan. If you're not, then don't talk to Lakers fans about him. But anyway, um, Adrian Griffin. We are all about positivity here. So we're going back a few years when uh, he made a whole stack of cash. Uh, Adrian Griffin, though. So this was uh, at least noted. And it's funny to look at some of these summer league teams and they have uh, assistants or younger members of the staff that are taking control of the summer league team. We discussed it the other day. Adrian Griffin probably wants to sink his teeth into some of these young guys and get into the the, the summer league uh, program with uh, the guys that might be a part of the main roster. Terry Stotts is on the bench. Joe Prunty, the Prunstler, is back on the sidelines as well. So uh, as far as summer league coaching staffs go, about as experienced as you can get in terms of uh, the longevity, whether it's an assistant coach or a head coach. But uh, he spoke about being aggressive defensively. He's mentioned the offensive glass a little bit. And uh, I'm wondering if you're seeing anything, and clearly it's summer league, but the stylistically, you have to imagine that Adrian Griffin is going to want to be doing some things with this team that he might envision uh, using in the regular season. And uh, there's no question we referenced it in the first game. There have been some moments where their defense maybe have been a little overly aggressive. We saw Andre Jackson Jr. had eight fouls in the first game. I think Beauchamp had six. They were able to wind that back a little bit in this game against Phoenix. But there were still a couple of possessions. And Jackson Jr. was the guy that did it a couple of times where he was really gambling defensively looking for a steal, looking to take the ball the other way. And in theory, you might look at that. You, you, you have the defense on the back foot. You're basically playing five on four from that, that time out. The opposition was able to get pretty good shots. And then I'm looking at Adrian Griffin, and he's like fired up on the bench. And he's clapping, and he's not saying that that's a mistake. And it just uh, I saw that, and I thought, that's kind of interesting. Because in the other part of being super aggressive, the Bucks have always been a pretty good transition defense. And maybe this had more to do with the Phoenix Suns. But you get three offensive rebounds from Beauchamp, five from Jackson Jr., three from Tyler Cook, who we mentioned as well. So whether it's on the offensive glass or defensively, we're seeing some pretty aggressive stuff from this Bucks team. Yeah, I mean, offensive rebounding, you know, the the, the Bud era Bucks leaned into mm. offensive rebounding a lot more in the last couple of years. I mean, offensive rebounding was was pretty key in, in some of the playoff series as well. I think, you know, especially like the Atlanta series where they really tried to use their size. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think offensive rebounding, you know, Adrian Griffin's talked about that and the importance of that. I mean, that was really something that Toronto kind of felt like they had to do just because they were size. such a bad half court offense. So offensive rebounding transition, creating, you know, transition via defense and forcing turnovers. Those were kind of, you know, typical things that they do. And I think, you know, Adrian Griffin has certainly alluded to, to those sorts of things. Um, here in Milwaukee and, and certainly the difference offensive rebound maybe would be similar, but, um, you know, taking chances, sending more help, um, you know, that would obviously be different, especially last year where the bucks, you know, sent less help than previously. Cause I think previously the bucks definitely helped on drives a lot. And we always talked about how that hmm. that's one of the reasons why they yeah. gave up a lot of open threes, the Raptors bled open threes as much as any team in the league. They always got, they always gave up tons of open corner threes. And so that would be the downside of mm-hmm. sort of, you know, if, if that approach from Toronto that, you know, certainly Adrian Griffin, it seems, sounds like he wants to bring some of that um, to Milwaukee is that the barrage of three pointers, which, you know, we didn't see last year in Milwaukee um, that may be back, <laughs> unfortunately, but we'll see. Um, but, you know, the Bucks were never a team that forced turnovers. Even when they were giving up lots of, of threes, they never forced a lot of turnovers. 
Um, they were always a, a team that, you know, that was like the one thing that, you know, the four factors on offense and defense on defense, you know, holding the other opponent to a low effective field goal percentage bucks were always you know, generally pretty good at that. Uh, especially last year in the first two years of the bud era, um, you know, not allowing, not, not fouling, right. That was always a hallmark staple of the bucks is, you know, not giving away free points at the foul line. Um, and defensive rebounding was obviously really uh, a major point of emphasis too. Like don't, don't allow second, second opportunities, but the last of the four factors, the turnover rate piece was always sort of thing that they just didn't, you know, they played a conservative drop style. They didn't, you know, necessarily do like lots of random double teaming. Um, they didn't have guys jumping in the passing lanes. You know, I think if you saw a rookie try to jump a passing lane and, you know, right. get caught, um, behind the play because he went for a pickoff and he missed it. You know, I, I feel like I can recall Jordan Wara, you know, getting uh, the quick hook, <laughs> quick hooks um, for that reason. So, uh, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what the carryover, what of any carryover we see from Vegas um, also shows up in, in preseason. You know, honestly, like, I don't, I don't know really that there's a whole lot I'm going to mm-hmm. take from, from what we see here and say like, Oh, this is, you know, indicative of the bucks are definitely going to do this or, or, you know, they're going to have Brooke Little plays paying like this because Taco Fall is playing like that here in, in Summer League. You know, I think you can like ponder, like, are they playing Taco Fall because they're trying to simulate having like a big center like Brooke or something like that? Like, maybe, I don't know. Like, that may be a question, you know, maybe that we'll, we'll ask Eric name to, to bug um, Adrian Griffin with that question or, or John Horst with that question at some point. But um but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of wait and see. Let's, let's wait till training camp. Let's see, kind of what they do in the preseason. And you know, I think obviously we we're, we're kind of used to seeing the Bucks play a certain style. And again, to me, like I think it's, it's not so much like oh, that, you know, like I, they're not going to play drop defense anymore. I think the question is, you know, how many of those? Again, I always call it like having more pitches, like, like you know, a baseball pitcher you know, your defense, are you, are you more frequently switching? Are you more frequently throwing zones out or, you know, whether, whatever other, you know, Nick nurse era, Adrian Griffin era, kind of funky stuff, boxing ones, you know, that, that they would throw out full court presses, things like that. So yeah, that, that's kind of, um, I'll, I'll wait till preseason to, to kind of see if, if there's anything, you know, at that point that we see, um, I think with a bunch of young players who haven't had any chance to really play together, like, it's, you know, I, I don't know that I, necessarily take take a whole lot from from this this type of environment but um but certainly you know like hey yesterday they give up 50 points in the first half and then you saw the kind of energy intensity ramp up in the second half forcing turnovers offensive rebounding etc and you know allow only 25 points the second half like man it's a good thing Mm -hmm. certainly winning games playing good defense in in summer league never a bad thing um how much that tells us about the regular season bucks you know let's wait till until we see guys that are actually going to play rotation minutes. Cause at least so far, I'm, I'm, I'm still not sold that, you know, any of the guys that are playing right now, you know, are, are going to be mainstays in the rotation. Hopefully, you know, Marjan Bochamp principally, you know, I would love it if he can carve out a, a, a rotation role for himself this year. But um, you know, like what I would say, you, you don't earn regular season minutes in, in July. So, um, so it's uh, again, once kind of one step at a time. And I will say this, I mean, you mentioned the, uh, defensive intensity after halftime. We saw the same in the first game. But as far as, you know, summer league basketball goes, the way that the Bucks clearly targeted guys uh, in the draft that are athletic and, and can play defense and perhaps are defensively minded, 
with Bochamp, Livingston and Jackson on the floor, like it's been pretty fun. When they do ramp it up, as far as summer league, the intensity uh, defensively, maybe not always there. Uh, so I've certainly found it pretty entertaining. And uh, as far as Jackson Jr. goes, no threes in this game. We know he was 0 for 4. There was a couple of times in the first game where he was kind of baited into shooting those threes. He didn't take them in this game. And I think he was called for a travel there at one point. And the announcers were saying, well, he probably should have taken that shot. I'm not sure whether he needed to, but we have seen in the half court uh, that he's a pretty creative passer. We've seen some nice passes, even if it's just a basic passer, like a skip pass across the, the the entire floor to Marjan Beauchamp there a couple of times. Like he's got pretty good vision for a guy that he's not a point guard, but can he handle the ball a little bit? Uh, I guess we'll wait and see. I think he's going to find himself if he's on the floor with some space on the perimeter. I think that's a safe bet. So uh, Andre Jackson Jr., some some nice stuff there as well. Let's talk about Chris Livingston next, though, Frank. Uh, over the last uh, couple of days since we podcasted, it was announced that he signed a deal as well. Kind of expected this was coming, but we'll get into that and uh, you can run through the numbers uh, next. Chris Livingston, the last pick in the draft this year, a four-year, $7.7 million rookie deal. Uh, Sham Sharani reported that a couple of days ago here. So uh, the first two years are guaranteed. Uh, nothing too crazy here, but I think that as we were going through the roster and the number of guaranteed contracts the Bucks had, they also announced the, officially Jay Crowder uh, coming back to the Bucks as well uh, here in the last little bit. So to me, I just had it penciled down because of the report that came out on draft night that Livingston did not attend some workouts with some teams and there was a team that promised him he was going to come. And I just didn't think that they would do go to all that length for a two-way deal. So I thought he was going to be on the main roster. But what does the numbers mean? What does this mean? Is there anything interesting uh, in this contract signing uh, as a second-round player? Yeah, so the the one, I think, you know, we've talked about a little bit. The, the one thing that the new CBA brought that actually helps high-spending teams, helps all teams, but especially useful, I think, to to teams that are, well into the tax, like the Bucks, you know, previously, uh, in order to sign guys for more than two years, you know, your second round picks, right? Your first round picks, you have um, uh, kind of existing first round exceptions. There's the first round scale, and so those those contracts are set, you know, regardless of where you are um, cap wise. But previously, if you wanted to give a second round pick more than a two year minimum deal, you needed an exception to do that. Could be the mid-level exception taxpayer or non-taxpayer um, typically bucks, you know, back in the day, right? Like I remember Luke Bamute when I first started kind of really following the the cap stuff, like, you know, they gave him, I think a three-year contract, right. And they paid him a little bit more um, to kind of keep him off the market. And the advantage of doing that was you had three years, usually you have some non-guarantee stuff in there to kind of protect the team if the guy washes out. Um, but then after three years, they would hit restrictor free agency. So you kind of got them for like, you know, three years being you know longer than two years. So you didn't have to pay them after two years if they were good. You get three full years. And then even after the three, third year, um, they're they're still going to be a restricted free agent. You kind of have some cost control. Um, problem is if you're a team like the Bucks and what we saw the last few years, they really weren't in a position to typically do that. So you saw these two-year minimum contracts with varying levels of, of guarantees, um, which, you know, Bucks were happy to do that because they were trying to keep their their you know, salary cap numbers down as well. But one of the interesting things about the new cap or the new CBA is that allows teams like the Bucks and every other team to sign their second round picks for 
three or four years with a team option on the last year using an entirely separate exception. So you don't need any, you know, you don't need a taxpayer mid-level, which the Bucks don't have um, sure. in order to sign these, these multiple guys. And the upside is you can pay them also more than the, the minimum on these deals, even if you don't have one of these, ex- these other exceptions. And so um, I think what you'll see the, the $7.7 million number. So the, the, the four year version of this sort of like complete minimum contract adds up to a little over 7.6 million. So there may be a little bit mon- extra money that they're giving to Chris Livingston. I would imagine Andre Jackson probably has a little bit more than Chris Livingston because he was picked, you know, 22 spots higher. Um, but the first year in particular, just given where the Bucks are in the tax, you know, I don't, again, not surprising. I don't think the Bucks are going to pay as much as possible um, with that exception, which would be, I think, like around one point. Uh, I think I think actually Andre Jackson with the four year deal, I think you could get basically a little over two million, basically a, a the second year, basically the equivalent of what a, a guy with two years of service can get um, for a contract. So I would expect though that they'll probably going to be closer to that true quote unquote true rookie minimum, which is like one point two million in the first year, and then it goes up over two million in the last couple of years of the deal. And the last year can be a team option, and you know again we'll see with with Livingston in particular like how much kind of you know, non-guarantee is there. Did, did they say, I'm, I'm trying to remember, Kate, did they say only the first, the first two years are guaranteed? I, I'm, I'm trying. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so, and that's, and that's part of why, you know, he's gotten the most money of any like last pick in, in a draft, right? First of all, Hey, he's the 58th pick because two teams lost second round picks this year. So he's not the 60th pick. Uh, he's the 58th <laughs> pick. Um, but the reason why he's getting paid this money is a couple of things. One, there's this exception now out there. So the Bucks can actually do this and actually, you know, not have to use an exception, another exception, and they can pay him very little in year one, which seems like they are doing to help their kind of cap and, and tax situation. Um, and then again, that fourth year team option, probably some non-guarantee money in, in year three. And so they have some options, you know, again, if he washes out after two years, um, then they can get out of the contract. If he, um, after three years actually like becomes a star, then we've seen this where teams will actually decline a cheap fourth year option because they want to re-sign the guy before he hits unrestricted free agency. And so after four years, you'd be an unrestricted free agent. After three years, you'd be a restricted free agent. So they're kind of just some games like that they can play. Obviously, if they have to do that with Chris Livingston and pay him a ton of money, that would be the most wonderful problem to yes, have. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I think with the 58th pick, you know, he's looked okay in Vegas. Like, I don't, you know, I think he's got some physical tools and he's hit a couple threes. Is he bad at anything? Like, I don't know if he's bad at anything, but I don't, you know, nothing's really, I think also kind of really popped, but um, obviously they made him a promise, take him at 58. I'm sure that there was an understanding with clutch that they were going to give him this contract. That's mm-hmm. why he shut down all those workouts. That's why he was happy to just go 58 to the bucks. And so now the question is, you know, does that scouting where the Bucks right? And can they develop him under Adrian Griffin and this new staff? So fingers crossed that you, you know, get a diamond in the rough here with, with Chris Livingston, Adrian, Andrew, uh, Andre Jackson as well. Um, but again, you know, the, uh, I'll be the Grinch that stole summer league. Um, Kane, you know, the, the, the reality obviously is that these guys typically do not, you know, end up panning out or, or honestly, a lot of times if they do, it's, oftentimes not with the first team that, that they, you know, are drafted by, right. A lot of times guys have to kind of go to a couple of teams before they sometimes figure stuff out. But again, bucks really need a hit. Arjun Bochamp, probably the first most likely guy to, to hit 
But if you can get two of these guys um, kind of from this draft class, uh, plus Marjan, two of those guys to pan out and be like actual, like, you know, solid to good NBA players, like from where you pick these guys, like that would be, that would be great. It certainly would. And uh, I mentioned the depth chart. Obviously, we've gone through this and it was in theory before. But now if you include AJ Green with that uh, deal and Chris Livingston and Andre Jackson that they've all made official, by my count, they're at 14 with Thanasis in theory being the 15th guy. So uh, I think that's uh, I think that's right. That's what I have in front of me anyway. So, you know, it's at least interesting with those rookies getting the, the deal on the main roster and obviously AJ Green coming up. Uh, speaking of AJ Green, uh, you mentioned Eric name earlier, but he did say, uh, he did tweet this out a few hours ago now that uh, Green's been out with right ankle soreness, uh, Lindell Wigginton with left groin soreness, but... Uh, it certainly seems like AJ Green is going to play against the Nets on Tuesday there. So, you know, you figure he'll come in and depending on his health, he might start and you might have uh, four of the guys that are on the uh, on the main roster on the floor at the same time, which is, I have to imagine, for certainly for a contending team, you don't see that every day. I know they were talking on the broadcast a little bit about the fact that the Bucks definitely have all this rotation minutes that people can get and they were talking about Tyler Cook and that kind of stuff. I'm not sure they... Had a close. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure they had a close look at the. No, uh, Ty, at the yeah, Russia. and he's he was great again. By yeah, the way. yeah. Tyler Cook's been really impressive. I mean, you know, like they went back to Taco Fall in the fourth quarter. Um, I was bemoaning the spamming of Nico Mannion Taco Fall two man games in the fourth quarter. That's probably why Marjan didn't score because he wasn't touching the ball, um, and Nico Mannion was two for fourteen. Uh, in this game so it was kind of like all right like uh, i'm kind of good with this so i mean the irony was like i i don't even really care that much if lindell and aj don't even play because i don't know part of it is i kind of feel like i kind of know, know what those guys are sure. um but uh part of it's too is just i i you know it's like omari moore is barely play. i mean he he's the one yeah. new guy that you've you have officially given a two-way to he hasn't scored a bucket he's played like what 13 minutes in two games and I think it's like 0 for 3 or something. Hasn't even scored a point. Um, meanwhile, you've got Nico Mannion playing, you know, 25 to 27 minutes every night, even though he's not going to be on the roster. And, you know, Gortman, I think, has, has shown nice flashes. I, I'm certainly would be happy if he gets the two-way, which was rumored, but apparently didn't actually happen yet. Um, so I, I, I've liked what I've seen from Gortman. He he has some, some swagger, some spunk. He got a technical <laughs> for taunting. In this game, I think he was only two for nine, but hit a long three. And I don't know, he something about him just kind of pops. He's you know, he, he he's got some athletic tools, he definitely has kind of a, a defensive peskiness to him. Um, so I, I, I like what I've seen from him. Certainly, he's distinguished, distinguished himself much more than than Moore has. Who, even though I you know, we talked about him, I mean, Moore, I think, profiled really well as mm-hmm. kind of this like tall, kind of lead guard type guy, but so far, we haven't seen it. And unfortunately, like if AJ Green you know, starts getting minutes too. It's like, well, is fucking Amari Moore going to play? Gonna play? <laughs> like, you know, are they going to bench their, they're the only guy they've actually given an official two way to, um, you know, for these last couple of games or something like that. I, I certainly hope not. So, um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, if, uh, if they want to just, you know, DNP rest, uh, Nico Mannion and Taco fall for that matter, these last couple of games, I would certainly be, be all for that because uh, I don't, I don't know what it helps the Milwaukee Bucks, franchise um as far as giving those guys minutes i don't think they're you know making marjan bochamp better or something like that so you know even if it 
reduces the likelihood of winning games, whatever, right? I'd rather go down, you know, swinging with guys that that actually need some reps and that, you know, might have a future on the roster. So so that is my official anti-Nico Mannion, Taco Fall um, diatribe. Although I will say, I mean, um, I didn't realize this until I heard in the game, but Nico Mannion's dad played for the Bucks in the 80s. Pace Mannion had a, I called him a head of a, a kind of a classic 80s dirtbag look, uh, kind of like skeezy mustache, um, kind of, uh, you know, little curly blonde hair, uh, war number three. Nice. Um, you know, I don't know. He, uh, I don't know. looks like he could have been an extra from Roadhouse or something, but, um, but yeah, it's funny, funny. These, uh, the kind of the bucks connections that, that you occasionally see with these guys, but, um, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, I don't really know what, what these non roster, non two way guys are, uh, are going to give us in terms of, um, you know, what we're going to learn. But, uh, anyway, that's my, that's my soapbox moment here for, for tonight's episode, Kane. Uh, we like it. We're here to see the guys that are on the roster. That's what we're watching this summer league basketball on with you. And by the way, uh, we mentioned Nico Mannion actually had a, a pretty nice game, uh, in the first one against Denver, but overall now he's one for 15 from three across the two games. So it's been kind of nasty from the outside and he's, and, and he's like, Yeah. I mean, I think he shot like 37% from three in yeah. Europe last couple of years. I mean, He's clearly a much better shooter than this, but, you know, not not helping right now. All right, that'll do it for today. But let us know what you thought about uh, game two of the Bucks in Vegas, Marjan Bochamp and his development. I know the YouTube comments, they are fired up about Marjan Bochamp right now. Uh, maybe some comments going a little bit too far with what uh, <laughs> we've seen so far. And I'm very optimistic. We hope that, uh, as you mentioned, one of these guys or a couple of these guys can actually find their way in the rotation because they're certainly fun to watch and you love the athleticism of these young guys uh, that we're seeing so far. So let us know what you thought about that. The Livingston deal, Adrian Griffin. Have you seen anything from him across the first two games as well? So plenty to discuss. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Malik Beasley in the next couple of days. The Bucs and the Nets coming up in Summer League as well. The Bucs are looking to stay undefeated. We're here watching the games. They may as well go ahead and win the Summer League title. That's what we're, uh, that's what we're hoping for here as well. But keep it, uh, keep it with us on Locked on Bucks and uh, continue to support the show. We really appreciate it. We'll speak to you all tomorrow.